The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion. Uh, tonight, as we do every Friday night, I uh, share stories with you and little tidbits of information. It's a little bit all over the place, and anything you want to add, you can too. Some of the stories I want to talk to you about and maybe get some of your input. What are the best places in your home besides the bed to make love? Where, uh, where are, where's your like number two favorite spot, for example? We're going to talk about UK's plan to block online porn to for uh, kids or people to prove that they are at least 18 years of age. I think it's a good initiative. I want to know what you think about that. Talk about a woman who claims to have had sex with ghosts, 20 ghosts, and she says she's engaged to one. Normal? Crackpot? What are we talking about here? Uh, We'll talk about uh, that story. And what's the best part of sleeping next to someone you love. What is it for you? What's the best part about that? And uh, hopefully we'll get to, I mean, hopefully we'll get to all these stories, but uh, we may not. Uh, And why you need to stop being so judgmental about other people's sexual practices in light of one of the emails I shared earlier this week of somebody accusing me of not being judgmental enough. And uh, of course I, um, for me uh, to be judgmental about people's sexual practices is not, it's not my uh, position unless they're doing something uh, uh, illegal or they're hurting somebody. So we'll talk about studies that show the actual practices of, of people of, of North Americans. And uh, you'll be able to judge for yourself if you uh, fit the norm and you'll understand why it doesn't seem to be any norm. And that's the truth. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion now at 514-790-0800 or 514-800. You can also feel free to email me anytime, uh, Lori at drlori.com if you want your questions answered during the week. That's Lori at drlori.com. So one leftover text says, on some dating sites, it seems like everyone has a sex addiction a lot are looking for a hookup. It's true that some of the dating sites will, people specify uh, that they are looking for casual encounters, but that isn't what determines uh, sex addiction. Sex addiction is a, is a problem and it's not a problem of sex. It's a problem of coping with life. Uh, so yes, it's true. You may have some people who are sex addicts who use these apps to find people, but by and large, I would say that most people who are on dating apps, whether they are on apps that are that encourage hooking up or uh, dating or for longer-term relationships, are not sex addicts. So we can't make the assumption that everybody on these sites are sex addicts. Uh, this is an email I got today. I am a young male, 28, and I listen to your informative radio show every chance I get. I am gay and have always been considered good-looking. I've wanted to get into modeling and also want to work as a stripper in a gay male strip joint, but I am five foot nine, 135 pounds and keep getting turned down because they say I am not muscular enough or big enough. 
There are four gay strip joints in Montreal. Two hire young men between 18 and 23. The other two hire muscular or big guys, only uh, uh, big and large or by and large. People like me, like me just get left out, even if I'm well endowed under the belt. It makes me very depressed. I go to the gym and I try to eat more protein, but I am a hard gainer. I have considered using steroids, but they are a bit expensive for me and they kill many young men prematurely. Five or six male strippers in the last five years um, at least have died from heart failure or kidney failure brought on by steroid use. How do I get to gain entry in this field and how do I get rid of the body image disorder? The gay community is very polarized between extreme youth and muscle. If you can help, please address this question on open lines anonymously. A lot of heterosexual and gay young men suffer from body image disorder in that they are not muscular enough. You could help save a couple of lives. I don't know how, uh, but anyway, thank you. Have a good weekend and keep the show running. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll keep running. So there's a few issues you bring up first of all here, and it is something I'm going to bring up to our LGBT panel as well uh, when they come on the show in the next uh, in the next couple of weeks. You talk about steroids. Steroids can be dangerous, as you see, as you pointed out. People have died from the use of steroids. They also shrink your testicles. They put you at risk. All that for muscle. Uh, if you're not competing, I, I just don't think it is worth it. But having said that, there is a problem with body image uh, all over it. And a lot of people is, make uh, associations with females and body image uh, issues or body images like low self-esteem regarding um, with regards to body image, but it's not a female thing. A lot of males have this and just look at the culture that we live in. And there's a lot of pressure, especially in the gay male community, uh, to look a certain way. But what are you comparing yourself to? Like, this is also a problem. You are comparing yourself to the male strippers. It's like comparing yourself to porn stars. Like they're hired because of the way they look. You want to get into that business? I don't, I couldn't tell you how to get into that business, um, nor could I tell you how to put on a ton of muscle mass. You'd have to really speak to a trainer or somebody in, in that, um, in that area. But I also think that we have to <clears throat> learn to accept and love ourselves uh, if this is your constitution, in other words, you just, no matter what you do, you can't gain any weight. A lot of people would love your problem. I can tell you that, uh, it's, you have to be able to accept yourself and know that there are people out there who don't look for that perfection, who are not looking for, uh, a Mr. Muscle to, uh, to date or have a relationship with. Um, and if it's something that is really troubling you psychologically and causing depression, then I would say it would be important for you to talk to somebody, talk to a professional uh, who can help you out uh, with that and help you um, increase your, your self-esteem. Uh, this texter writes, uh, that email makes me sad. There are a lot of gay porn also that I enjoy that feature twinks, which is a porn term for small, young, pretty boy types. Oh, there you go. The emailer should not give up and accept his body. Thank you for that. I think that's really, really important. There are many people who do not like the big muscular, uh, type, just like there are women who like, 
uh, stockier men or women who like really thin men. Um, We're all different and it's our attraction to people is more than just the body anyhow. Uh, But I think this is important that what this texture brings up is that there are tastes for all kinds of body types and just accepting who you are and not looking to go into this industry, maybe just this industry is not for you. Um, Maybe that's not where you're going to fit in. So find something else to do, Um, possibly, maybe. So learn to accept your body, I think, is is the underlying message of all of this. Uh, so coming up, we'll, uh, we'll share some stories with you. I want to talk about the UK's plan to block online porn. What do you think? What if we did this? What if we, you had to prove that you were 18 years old in order to get onto an online, uh, porn site? I want to hear your thoughts. Relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. On the Friday edition, uh, I talk about different uh, news items that have to do or relate to sexuality and would love to hear some of your thoughts. So the first thing I want to talk about is the UK's plan to block online porn not for everybody uh this not what the like they do in china for example but this is basically about age verification and this is what they want they want age verification of all pornographic content to be mandatory actually it was supposed to take effect uh last april but now the plans have been pushed back to later uh, later in the year, in, in 2019. Uh, since 2015, the UK government has been trying to impose restrictions on access to porn, uh, but all of the legal measures needed to do so have passed, and now it is only a matter of time until changes start to happen across the web. Uh, it states that commercial providers of porn should have age checks on their websites to stop children from seeing explicit images and videos. This means that every user to a pornographic website will have to prove they are uh, over 18. Uh, initially, the law was due to come into force in in April, but there's a lot of uh, challenges uh, deploying this kind of uh, technology. Can you imagine there are thousands of websites how do you go about checking ages uh so i think i i don't think that the technology the technology is there uh but what have they decided to do with it just now Uh, i don't think it's all that uh clear but you do have to prove in the uk you'll have to prove that you are are over 18 Uh, what counts as pornography and the websites that will have to put up blocks has proven tricky Big porn is going to have uh, is going to have to have uh, to have age verification systems in place, and these websites like Pornhub, X Hamster, and such said that they will comply uh, with these changes. The problem is that's that's fine for the big big porn, right? Those big huge uh, uh, companies. 
but there are plenty of other things like social media, which happens to be full of pornography. Also, if you check out Reddit or Twitter, you can find adult content on those sites. You can do a Google image search without filters on. You'll also get explicit imagery. And those do not fall under the direct requirements to install age verification systems. So it's going to be uh, tricky. But how does this, how will this work? Basically, when you visit uh, a porn site that's using these age, age checks, the website will show a landing page that doesn't have any 18 plus content on it. I'm sure if you've landed on some of these, you've had to click a button. Um, that says you you agree that you are over the age of 18 to enter here, right? It says to enter here, you must be over 18. Click here if you're over 18. Uh, but anybody can do that. Anyone can click those buttons. doesn't matter how old you are. So they have to actually figure out a way uh, to for people to prove it, whether it's by having to purchase some kind of card somewhere where they've had to show their ID and then it becomes an access card to get onto porn. So there's stuff going on here and maybe I should bring this up with our sex tech guy who will have far more information uh, about this than me. Uh, so how do you feel about this? I, I think it's a good idea to, to to stop children from viewing pornography. We don't. We certainly don't have enough education to counterbalance the effects of uh, pornography as a sex education tool because it isn't. It isn't good sex education. And so a lot of younger people who are curious about sex turn to porn. Wouldn't it be fun if we can redirect them to a, a, a sexual wellness site in set instead when they go there and say, well, you're under 18, go to this site, which is a sex education site. I think it would be far more uh, effective to, uh, to counterbalance a lot of this stuff. Uh, text writes, more important would be to verify that everyone is of age in porn to get rid of underage porn and burst and, and bust the creepy criminals. Yeah, there's an under, the child porn industry is a whole, that's like the dark net in the, because the, the popular internet uh, sites that are easily accessible are very careful about uh, anything under age. So, uh, but there is the, that, I think that's what's called, right? The dark net. There's a way to get, um, there's all kinds of file sharing that's done with child pornographers and, uh, and people who view porn and share that kind of pornography. It's a whole other uh, sick uh, industry, really. Uh, hello, Dr. Lori. I have a little issue here. I'm 36 years old and the proud owner of a company with 10 employees. The holiday season is around the corner, and I just announced there will be no Christmas party because of the Me Too mo movement, and I prefer to be safe. I have four guys and six ladies. I know there has been hookups in the past, but I don't want it on my time uh, and of have it to turn it into a PR nightmare. What do you think? I don't know. I think that maybe you could you not have a Christmas party with say no alcohol or a drink limit where you give people drink tickets and this is how much you can drink so that uh, we don't get into the murky waters of alcohol induced uh, activities. Um, 
where wouldn't you just be going out for dinner maybe to a restaurant? So I don't, I think that may be going a little far. What do people think here? Should we cancel all holiday parties for fear that something happens? Why don't you have them all sign something beforehand (laughs) or, or give them a set of rules beforehand, or this is, this is the kind of behavior we expect from you at, uh, at these events. Maybe that's a better uh, way to handle it rather than cancel something that maybe your employees uh, look forward to every year. So what do people think about that? Are other companies canceling their Christmas parties in light of the Me Too movement and, and fear of, of some kind of um, bad behavior going on at the Christmas parties? I mean, they're notorious, it's true, for stuff happening, but um, that was far before the, uh, the Me Too movement as well. 514-800, if you have uh, any thoughts on that, would love to hear uh, some of your thoughts. What do you think? All right, uh, this uh, last week, <clears throat> Pornhub experienced an unexpected surge in visits. Why? Because there was a YouTube outage. Uh, and apparently, um, <laughs> like, anyway, this this happened. There's something something about ASMR craze. Have you heard about this? So people were looking for, uh, this, they look, they watch these things on YouTube, but they were looking for them on Pornhub. And there, and there was a lot of tweets that said, when you can't tube, you fap instead. Fap is a word for, uh, masturbation. So, or YouTube may be down, but Pornhub is still up. Anyway, there was a rise when YouTube came back on, there was an, uh, a dip. Uh, but then I looked into this thing cause they were talking about like the headline was YouTube isn't the only place where you can get ASMR videos. And I was like, what's ASMR videos? Uh, so this is, uh, what this is the clip. There's these clips, these YouTube clips are intended to induce an, uh, uh autonomous sensory meridian response, ASMR, a feeling that people describe as a tingle or a static on the skin that can start on the head and move down the back. Some viewers of online ASMR videos say the experience of watching is soothing or can even cause a sense of euphoria. The phenomenon, the phenomena is wildly popular online with hundreds of YouTube channels providing videos to millions of Subscribers, there was even an ASMR festival in Philadelphia where artists recorded live videos as fans watched. So I, I'd not heard any of this before uh, I, started, I read this article. Do you know anything about ASMR videos? Have you tried to uh, make your own? Do you uh, listen to them? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. All right. As for the Christmas parties, I've got a couple of texts here. Have a Christmas lunch. Okay. Uh, that's, uh, there's one, uh, please don't get rid of holiday parties. Since I am a merchandiser, I don't get one, but I used to, and really enjoy them. I don't want to suck the fun out of everything. And it's true. There are lines there and, and you don't want to suck the fun out of everything. So why not, continue, but yet have kind of established 
guidelines or teach your staff about consent. Maybe do a little mini seminar uh, about what consent looks like, for example, like a, a, re, a review of that. So that might be something that you, that might make you feel better about um, than having your Christmas party. So if you have feedback for that texter, what do you think he uh, or she should uh, do? Ten employees, doesn't want to hold a Christmas party, doesn't want the potential nightmare, PR nightmare or HR nightmare. Um, what would uh, you do or tell him to do? The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Straight talk that's all inclusive. With Dr. Lori, News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. So before I start telling you why you shouldn't be so judgmental about uh, what other people practice in their bedroom, I I still want to help out this owner of a company who has 10 employees who decided that there will be no Christmas party because of the uh, Me Too movement and they're playing, they're trying to play it uh, completely safe. So we're getting some text messages. Someone says, get catering from Subway. They bring in platters to your workplace. Have it in the meeting or staff room. So that's an option. You do it at lunchtime. You do it in the staff room. The money that you would have spent on a dinner, for example, or on the Christmas party, maybe get them each a gift certificate or a gift. Like if you don't want to have the party and you explain to them uh, why, I'm sure they would be very happy with uh, a gift. So you would still spend the money, uh, but you would uh, divvy it up differently, right? You would hand out the money instead of paying for a dinner. Maybe that's a possibility. Uh, Let me answer this question too. Do you know of any book titles with the author's name that gives instructions primarily to gay men, as I am a gay man, about giving and receiving good prostate massages during foreplay and which may contain how to have excessive ejaculations. You mean multiple ejaculations or excessive meaning volume? I don't offhand have any names for you or any books that come to mind, but I will save this this text message for when our LGBT panel is in studio and maybe they will have an idea of where to go. Uh, oh my God, Dr. Lori, classes on consent and appropriate behavior. These are working adults and not five-year-olds who need to be taught right from wrong. Really? Except it's adults who are often the ones uh, breaking these rules of consent. Maybe they do need a refresher course. I, I kind of disagree with you on that one. Uh, frankly, I agree with the owner of the company. Why should he jeopardize his company's reputation just because everyone has become overly serious and offended by everything? If a guy could be fired from PBS for stating that Meghan Markle isn't bad, then let's just stick to business as business. And too bad for the snowflakes working there who will cry if someone looks at them the wrong way after a drink or two at a Christmas party. I mean, it's too bad that it's come to that. Uh, frankly, I... It's too bad. Uh, that's all I can say. So, uh, do you also agree that uh, canceling Christmas parties is the way to go? I don't. I don't see a problem with talking to people about consent. I really don't, because if you look at, it's not. You think it's just young people who are uh, assaulting others? No, a, a lot of people don't know what actual consent really is or looks like. So that needs to be taught, retaught, 
over and over again until people really understand. Okay. I want to, uh, <laughs> oh, Bahamba, give them Christmas Day off and expect them early on the 26th. Okay, Bahamba. Uh, this article written in Psychology Today by uh, my friend and colleague Michael Castleman, who writes, uh, has written some really great books on sexuality, wrote this article. Uh, and the headline was Most Americans Have Tried unconventional sex, which is why we need to stop being so judgmental. Uh, the popularity of unconventional sex raises questions about what's actually deviant. There, the conclusion really is that there is tremendous sexual diversity. And he begins the article by saying, when modern sex research began after World War II, many thought that normal, in quotation marks, sex was limited to married, heterosexual, vaginal intercourse with everything else suspect or perverted. But over the past 70 years, as researchers have delved even deeper into sexuality, they've discovered that the loving, successful, mentally healthy population actually exhibits tremendous sexual diversity. Our sexuality is as unique as our fingerprints. Uh, as a result, we should be very careful about labeling anything deviant. Deviance implies a significant departure from normal, which doesn't exist. Now the legal system defines some sexual possibilities as crimes, of course, sexual assault, adult sex with children, genital flashing in public, uh, and in many places, sex work. So there's, uh, the boundary separating acceptable from not, uh, is increasingly fuzzy. And he talks about the sexual fringe includes most Americans, he says, today what passes for conventional lovemaking involves adult heterosexual kissing, cuddling, and vaginal intercourse with maybe some oral. But most Americans have played in other ways. UCLA researchers asked uh, parents to keep diaries noting anything sexual in the lives of their 200 sons and daughters from birth through age 18. What an interesting study that is. Uh, parents witness only a fraction of child sex play, but the study parents saw three quarters of their children masturbating and reported that half engaged in sex play with peers. The researchers found zero correlation to later psychological distress. Bottom line, sex play with peers in uh, children is part of normal. Among Americans aged 14 to 94, 94% of men and 85% of women admitted having masturbated at least once. Uh, more than half of American women own at least one vibrator. Most Americans lose their virginity during their late teens, now uh, typically around age 17, which, by the way, is a year or two later than today's grandparents did. Okay? Huh? You thought they're all having sex so young? Uh-uh-uh. Uh, Premarital sex has become almost universal. On their wedding nights, 95% of Americans are not virgins. 95%. 
At some point in life, 15 to 20 percent of American men have patronized sex workers. Um, 11 percent of Americans, so about 30 million people, are not exclusively heterosexual. By age 50, 40 percent of Americans have experimented with oral anal sex, sphincter massage, fingering, toy insertions, or penis-anus intercourse. 40% of Americans. So this goes back to the woman who judged me for telling me that I'm making it okay and that I should be more judgy regarding anal sex because it's diabolical or terrible or I don't know the words that were used. Anyway, 40%, okay? Approximately 20% of American adults have engaged in consensual non-monogamy. That's 20%, meaning polyamory, threesome, swinging, and group sex. Kinky sex, far more popular than many believe. A big survey done at the Indiana, at Indiana University discovered that many people enjoyed elements of BDSM. 30% of people enjoy spanking, 22% dominant or submissive role-playing, 20% like to be restrained, 13% liked whipping or flogging, and 43% had had sex in public. Wow. And of course, then you have fantasy and all that. So... Clearly, with more and more education, people are more amenable to sexual experimentation compared with maybe uh, religious fundamentalists or even uh, religious liberals who profess uh, no religious affiliation, who tend to, are, who also, by the way, tend to be more willing to try sex that's considered fringe. So when you look at those kinds of areas, where there are more conservatives, you will also find acting out in fringe. And coming up, I'm going to tell you how sex is your playground. I'll, I'll conclude with a paragraph from Michael Castleman's article, which I loved. It's Sex Out Loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. Let me just point out a little error I made. So the woman who had emailed me that I quoted before didn't say that anal sex was diabolical, said that porn was diabol diabolical. So uh, my apologies. Don't agree with it, but my apologies. Uh, so uh, I just read a bunch of interesting statistics on uh, and giving you reasons why we really should not be judging other people's sexual practices, unless they're illegal and non-consensual and all that stuff. But um, in terms of like what is deviant sex or what we think is deviant sex, when you really look at the numbers, all these numbers presented in this article, and somebody asks me, doctor, interesting stats, but how accurate are the results? Every one of these results are from studies that have been peer-reviewed and are found in peer-reviewed journals, so they're university studies. If you go to the Psychology Today website and look up Michael Castleman, you will have all of the listing of the resources where these come from. So they're not made up. They all come from research. Um, and they're all, they're all from known research. So there you have it. You can, uh, you can look for the exact, um, 
the exact sources of, of where those stats come from. But I just like how he ends it. He says, sex is adult play. Like a playground, it includes myriad possibilities, none better or worse than any other. Uh, absent harm to self and others, it doesn't matter how adults twist the sheets. It's play. It's pleasure. And erotic pleasure is uniquely individual. So we must think long and hard before labeling any legal sexual possibilities weird or deviant. There is no normal. So we must be careful calling anything abnormal. And I happen to very much agree with him. Uh, going back to the Christmas parties and not holding a Christmas party because the Me Too movement, uh, it's 10 employees with 11 outside reps, so 21 in total. My employees really dress sexy and sometimes the place gets a little hot. I decided to do no party because I also had a moment at one of our parties when a female employee dragged me into the toilet stall. I just wanted to be a better example. Okay, well, that explains stuff. So there's been... Uh, some shenanigans that have happened at work and you can say simply that and, and explain to them, you know what, I want to avoid any of this kinds of actions. So therefore I have decided that, uh, I'm not going to provide an environment where there is potentially a uh, behavior that, uh, will cross lines and cr cross boundaries, uh, is something as long as you have your your justification for it and, and it's your company. So you can make that decision, I suppose. Right. I'm just thinking as an employee, they might just be a little upset, but it's still your company. A woman who claims to have had sex with 20 ghosts now engaged to one. How crazy does that sound? So this, uh, a spirited fling with an Australian ghost has ended up in true love for this English woman. In fact, the ghost just proposed and she wants the living world to know. I'm just reading you the story. Amethyst Realm 30 of Bristol says she has had sex with at least 20 ghosts since she was a teenager, but wasn't looking for a new relationship when she went to Australia on a business trip. However, she says that changed on a nature hike when she came into contact with an apparition and felt sparks like none she's ever known. She didn't think it could amount to anything serious because she says spirits tend to stay in one place, but something amazing happened on her flight home. She felt the presence of her lover on the plane and apparently not stowed in cargo. I couldn't believe it. I was happy and excited, so excited that we had to do something about it. So we headed to the plane, Lou. And well, I'm now a member of the Mile High Club. Uh, let me just repeat, with a ghost none with a ghost. It was nine months ago and things have progressed to the point where realm discussed her desire to marry and have her ghost's baby. Okay. How does that happen? <laughs> she discussed this on a, on a TV show. Uh, the paranormal paranormal proposal reportedly occurred when the couple took a road trip to England's caves, according to the New York post. So this was reported in the New York post. Uh, this was so weird. She says there's, there was no going down on one knee. He doesn't have knees, but for the first time I heard him speak, I could actually hear his voice and it was beautiful, deep, sexy, and real. The couple are now choosing a ring, but have not decided what kind it will be. Realm supernaturally is hoping her ring will have an amethyst in it, but she's leaving it to her spirit lover to decide. This is gets crazier. 
the realm said the woman says the ghost energy is more feminine than a typical man but admits that if you're making love to a spirit gender doesn't really come into it she added ghost lovers tend to be more sensual and adept than the average bloke there's always more of a connection because the sex goes beyond physical it's like any other kind of sex the main difference is i just can't see them Okay, make of it what you will. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in spirits? Can ghosts make love to you? I, I'm skeptical, <laughs> as I'm sure most of you are. Uh, best places in your home to make love. Where else have you made love besides your bedroom? <laughs> Somebody wrote, the story sounds like something from coast to coast. Yeah, totally. It, she would be interviewed on a show like Coast to Coast, I would imagine. Okay, let me give you a rundown of some of the best places to make love in your home. Using the bathroom mirror, one. The shower, number two. Um, number three, against a wall. Number four, on the stairs. Number five, the kitchen counters. Number six, the living room floor. Number seven, against the window. Well, that's, of course, if you're feeling a little adventurous and, <laughs> and you're feeling a little ex exhibitionistic. Uh, on the hood of your car, hopefully in the garage with the door closed. On the couch, the backyard, hopefully it's fenced in and you're uh, part, your neighbors can't see you or maybe on the deck or maybe in your hot tub. I don't know. Uh, or the middle of any room. So places to have sex except for your bed. A couple of, uh, okay, question. If someone asks a sex partner if they have HIV and that person says they don't and both of those people use condoms during that encounter and the non-HIV carrier hypothetically catches HIV from that other person, even though the other person said they didn't have it, would that HIV carrier be criminally responsible for lying? They wouldn't be lying if they didn't, if they didn't know they had HIV but had HIV. So if they were tested for HIV, had the results of HIV, and lied about having HIV, and knowingly infected somebody, but that would mean that it would have to have been unprotected sex, from what I understand. So if both people are wearing condoms, then no, they're protecting themselves. Um, so uh, I don't think they would be criminally responsible. But hey, I'm going to save that one for our LGBT panel as well. Uh, some of these great questions for that panel um, that I'll reserve. Thank you so much for spending uh, tonight with me and for some of you who spent the week with me. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. Uh, thanks to Brian Callisar, our technical producer. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Betito, B-E-T-I-T-O, or uh, my website, drlori.com. Coming up next, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, a fabulous weekend, and remember to live your life with passion. Me up, I give you permission